little bit of a scripture loop here, but it's just the way God wanted it, I guess. Isaiah 9, 2 through 5. Aha, thank you. The people walking in darkness, and the lights came on. I, I put that in there. So. Has seen a great light on those living in the land, in the shadows of death, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice the harvest, as men rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of the Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their pressers. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for the burning, will be fuel for the fire. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the season which we celebrate the birth of our Christ, dear Lord. And just... Uh, ask that you be with my pastor, dear Lord, you just give him words that he speaks in power, dear Lord, and that we receive your word and apply it to our lives and go out and save souls through the blood of Christ. In your name we pray. There was a relationship between God and Adam that is, you can't compare it with any other relationships with any other person on earth. There was righteousness that abided between God and Adam. He walked with him in the cool of the day. They talked about things that we won't know about until we get to heaven. And we are a part of that discussion that is going on. There was such intimacy and love between God and Adam and Eve that God had already planned to allow creation to be a part of the heavenly realm. And that it was to be used in the governing, even though they don't, God doesn't need us. It says in scripture that we were going to be a part of the governing process. There was such exaltation, if you can understand what that word is, between Adam and God. Adam and Eve's heart was so excited to know God, that opened the door to temptation. While this process was going on, a war broke out in heaven and in earth simultaneously. And the war was to destroy the pinnacle of God's uh, creation and to raise Satan, the angel of light, above God and that all things would worship the angel of light. Well, they lost that war. But there was a battle that they won. And it was that they brought the creation Adam and Eve, to the point of corruption, meaning it was tainted, meaning that they were unable to participate in the righteousness and perfection of the relationship with God the Father. And so God knew that he had to do some drastic things. And he began at that point in time in history over 6,000 years ago to begin to prepare the world and mankind 
for the coming of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to talk about that a little bit today. The very first thing he did was he cursed Adam and Eve. In that curse, he pronounced prophecy upon the future. And the prophecy upon the future is from the birth of Eve, meaning her offspring, (coughs) her child, the serpent will strike the foot, the heel, but he shall crush Satan, the head of Satan. Do you understand, and I don't know if you do understand this, but I'm going to explain something to you. Do you understand in the new heaven and in the new earth, there will be no creature called Lucifer or Satan? Did you know that? Because it says in prophecy, Jesus will crush his head. He will no longer exist. Do you understand that? So, God is already preparing Adam and Eve for the fact that in the future he will defeat the enemy that caused the the defeat and destruction and corruption of mankind. Wow. So what did God do? How is he preparing the world for the coming of Jesus? First thing is he cursed the world. One of the things that he did was he he cursed earth. Earth did not fall. Do you understand that in in Genesis? God cursed it. Man fell. That's all that it says. Mankind fell. But it did not say that the earth fell. But God cursed the earth. He cursed it because mankind, listen... Mankind needed to know that he needed a God. He needed to know that he needed to God. He wanted mankind to understand that he was full of need. You and I understand this after 6,000 to 7,000 years of living on this, uh, of mankind living on this earth. But we, at that time, did not know they had a need. Even Adam so figs leaves together. Even Adam hidden bushes. They did not know how to garden. They did not know how to grow their own food. They did not even know how to kill an animal <coughs> or a deer in the back. Did you not know that? Why? There was no death. When there was no death, they did not know how to do this. God had to prepare mankind to survive until it was time for the Messiah to be brought. And so they began. He had to curse the earth. So that man would have to work by the toil of his brow. He'd have to fight against thistles. I don't know about you, but I've got something out of my house called a green briar whatever that is, and praise God for a uh, brush hog. Thank God that he prepared a brush hog. Okay? They are tough to deal with. You have to sweat to pray 
bills, to have a place to live, food to eat, things to clothe yourself, place to sleep, car to get where you need to go. You knew nothing about that if God had not given through the fall of the earth the knowledge and wisdom to create these things. And so mankind had to have a hard life so he could show his need. It's very apparent. We can see the effects of it. Fentanyl, drugs, alcohol, addiction to food, addiction to sex, rebellion against parents, people, young people thinking that what they want is more important than what God wants, when in reality... We need to learn that it is not what I want that I must do, but I must do what is right. We needed to be prepared to do these kind of things. Why? Because when the Messiah shows up, we will be prepared to fall in love with him and walk with him and do his will and continue to build the kingdom of God, which is something for later, but... That's what's going on. We need to wake up, people. Our young people no longer believe that it's important to do what's right. They believe what they want is more important than what is right. Did you know that? So mankind needed to learn that he has need. Secondly, he gave us the law. You know what the law is? The law of Moses. Why did man need a law? He had no idea what right and wrong was. No idea. When Adam and Eve fell, all they knew was that they were separated from God. They did not know that they had honestly broken a law, except they were disobedient because they took the fruit. They needed law. You know today in America, I don't know about other countries, that when you go over 55 and the speed limit is 55 miles an hour, whether you care you went over it or not, you realize you broke the law. Why is that important? Because man needs to know what God says is right And what we do is wrong. And that we have a need. And when we don't do what is right, there is consequences to it. Consequences. So can you imagine the nation of Israel waiting on Moses to come down off the mountain? He comes down off the mountain and with less than 24 hours, they, they walked in ignorance and then they knew and became aware of the law and that their wrongness was wrong and their condition could not be changed because as hard as they tried to abide those Ten Commandments, that's all he brought down, man had to add to them so he could understand what was going. They could not handle the Ten Commandments. 
and they knew they broke the law. Thou shalt not covet. Thou shalt worship only one God. They broke that one before it was ever, right? They made a calf. They broke the law before they ever came down. What we're talking about is completely and totally the truth. It's something people need to understand. God is preparing for the coming of his son. We need to be in such a condition and such knowledge, such understanding, that when he comes, we can say, there is Christ, the Son of the living God. And I need him. Do you understand what's going on here? The next thing, God prepared man by showing us his power. How many years was the Israelites in Egypt before God set them through free through Moses? 300? 400? Something like that. Anybody remember? 49? Who said what? 400. For 400 years, man, uh, the nation of the Hebrews, lived in as slaves of the people of Egypt. And they were slaves. They could buy and sell them. They could take their women and do with them what they want. They took their men and did what they wanted. They educated those that they wanted educated. And they kept those ignorant, the one they wanted to be ignorant. And for 400 years, they had no control over their, 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 uh, uh, their future. They, they could not acknowledge God. You with me? Couldn't acknowledge God. Couldn't worship God. What was one of the first things that happened when, when God began to move in the nation, Egypt, with Moses? What was one of the first things? They went outside of, of Egypt and they worshipped the way God was teaching them to worship. They did not know how to worship God. They were in bondage. And they, they needed to know, you and I, the people of the United States of America, needs to understand something. That we are in bondage without God being the Lord of our life. That's all there is to it. I don't care how much money we have if we do not have God. We're in bondage. I don't care how little money we have. I don't care. Without God, we're in bondage. I don't care if you're in love, in love with the love of your life. Without God, you're in bondage. Do you hear me? Do you agree with me? He had to prepare us because we were in bondage. And then he showed him his power. And he brought forth ten plagues. This is only, not the only time God did it. This is one illustration of many times. He, he defeated kings. He defeated multiple kings for them. 
He gave them food where there was no food. He gave them water where there was no water. God had the power and authority to do all these things. But in this situation where there were ten plagues, each plague represented a God of Israel. And the worst plague was the last one. It was the death of the firstborn. The Israelites or the Egyptians loved to worship death. Loved it. And he defeated them all. He took a ragtag group of bondage slavers, slaves, and within 24 hours, he defeated the greatest army that was on the face of the earth. They did not fire a shot, throw a stone, sling and kill a giant. He did it for them. God showed them his power. What do we need in this country? To recognize the power of God over sin and death in the world. He has to prepare us. He has to show us. Now, there's an authority here that you are not aware of, and I want to make you aware of it. That if you live in Christ through a repentive lifestyle, You have the knowledge of the truth of the authority and power of God. And so when you pray for your unsaved family and children, you pray with that authority in you. And when you do that, you break the authority of sin and death in them so that they may be willing to fall in love with Jesus Christ. Do you you understand that? We needed to be prepared. The Israelites up to this point were not. They didn't know. They had no idea. Then they needed to learn the power of God in transition. Because he took these slaves that were in bondage. And he transitioned them into an army of believers... Who, who, who relied and were sustained by the nature and personality of God. <clears throat> and they defeated everything in their path in a desert situation where there was not enough to, food to feed them in their livestock. And he, they made them understand that I can do all things through Christ, we need, through Christ but God will take care of it. They needed to understand that. Did all of them? No. Remember, some of them he left behind. Remember that? Forty years. The other thing that occurred during that time was he taught mankind to worship God. In Egypt, they were taught to worship demonic, fallen gods they were all over the place 10 of them were defeated with the plagues we could go back and talk about those but but mankind the hebrew needed to learn to worship god and he did it he built them a, a tabernacle he put the 
together an order of people, the Levites, to help develop how to worship God. He had a holy of holies. In it was a mercy or bema seat. And in this tabernacle, when they lived a repentive life, a a smoke-like figure, it was just like a cloud came down and rested in the holy of holies. And they saw God come down and was with them, but apart from them. And they learned to worship God. They learned that if they did not live by the law that was laid before them, that God was angry at them and he would not come down and be with them. They had to learn to worship God. Let me tell you something, people. You young kids, young adults, wrong word, young adults, You need to learn how to worship God. I'm not saying with your hands in the air. Nothing wrong with that. I'm not saying with your hands like this. You need to worship God here. You need to say, I can't wait to get together and go to worship. Now they say, oh, it's boring. That old man up there preaching. Boring. Now that Caleb, he can play good music, but the preacher's boring. So what? My friends, worship starts in the heart, not in the speaker and not in the music. It starts in the heart. Those people back then needed to learn how to worship God. You and I need to learn how to worship God. We need to understand what gratitude, thanksgiving, praise is. We need to understand that we worship him because of who he is and what he does and what he does in us. We need to get our mind off ourself and get ourself on God. We need to learn to seek who God is. Who is he? God's preparing the world for the advent of his son, and he has to work with the most stubborn people in the entire universe. Lord, help us. He showed patterns of judgment by his flood. He, he, he could not tolerate sin. And, and if the world does not want to follow the truth of God, God will and can is not opposed to destroying people. Churches don't talk about this now. He is not opposed to that kind of judgment upon us here on earth. He killed everyone on earth. And don't say, oh, if he was a loving God, he wouldn't kill those people. Let me tell you something. Would you like to let your house be full of rattlesnakes and put your small children on the floor? Would you? Is that a loving thing? Of course it's not a loving thing. And nor is it a loving thing to allow the most valuable creation that he had, a human being, (coughs) 
to come to earth, to be here at earth, and let it live in sin and destruction. My friends, that's what's happening in our cities, our large cities across the world. They've done away with law. They've done away with judgment. They've done away with punishment. And crime is rising. People are dying. It is only God who can keep in check mankind from the desires of his flesh. Only God can do that. It's his responsibility. And he's not opposed to it. He took one family, put them in a boat, and all the animals that he needed in there, and he caused it to rain for 40 days and 40 nights and let the sores back up. That's what he did, right? The tallest mountains were 20 feet underwater. Wow. God knows how to thoroughly punish. The next time, he's going to do it by what? Does anybody know how the judgment's going to come the next time? Far. West Virginia, it's far. Here, it's fire. You know what? He... He doesn't care what your opinion is or my opinion because his judgment is just. They, I, we need a just God in this world. He knew exactly during Solomon's time when the one lady stole the other baby and, and she said, uh, no, it's mine. And the other lady said, no, it's mine. And then Solomon said, what? Cut it in two and give one half. Then he knew. He was just. He knew the truth. We need judges like that. He taught us to worship through the tabernacle. And then through prophecy. He began to prophesy about the coming Messiah. And he gave them little, the Hebrew people, he gave them little tidbits of what he was and what he would look like. He gave them 10,000 tidbits. Did you know that? And he fulfilled every one of them. You can take the state of Texas, stack it three feet high of silver dollars. And take one silver dollar, mark an X on it, and let somebody throw it out in the middle, and then let's stir them all up. And they blindfold Kip and send him out into the middle of Texas with all those silver dollars, and the first one he picks up will have the X on it. That's the possibility of Jesus fulfilling all 10,000 prophets, prophet, prophetic messages about him. 10,000. He fulfilled every one. The atheists won't even debate that because it's so unbelievable. You know that, don't you? I know that. One of the things he said, and we're going to talk about next week. Next week, we're going to talk about the preparation of the people involved in the Advent. 
Doesn't that sound like a neat title? Preparation for the people involved in the Advent. Elizabeth and her husband. Mary, Joseph, and some others. It's going to prepare them. My friends, God wants us to know this Jesus. <coughs> the interesting thing is, we have lived in an atmosphere for, of about five to 6,000 years worth of preparation. And God kept saying, he's coming. He's coming. The Messiah is coming. He's going to free you from sin and death. See, the purpose of the Messiah is to make right what went wrong in Genesis. Hello? The purpose of the Messiah is to to make right what went wrong in Genesis. He didn't come to set up a religion. He came to write. Why? He's in a war for us. And every day in the spiritual world, there is a battle that goes on between good and evil angels for us. Temptations righted, people magnified, people becoming righteous. He's battling for our soul. And we have lived in this atmosphere of preparation up until today. And it'll happen tomorrow. If you go back and look at the Gospels, there's a reason why Jesus said, worry about today. Because a soldier does not worry about tomorrow. He has to stay alive today. That's what that means, people. If I'm righteous today... I'll be righteous tomorrow. Well, see, you've been in preparation. You may, you may have, uh, you may know Jesus Christ as your Savior, or you may not. But you've been prepared to know Him. You understand what I'm saying? You may not know him, but you've been prepared. You have lived in an atmosphere. God has put people into your life, whether it be your parents or friends or somebody that, that knows the power and authority of Christ and knows the position of Christ, knows the righteousness of Christ, and demonstrated his authority in your life. You know it. You've been prepared. Your responsibility is to open your heart and let him come in.